0: Okay, so this is the um, this is the second sermon on uh, on spiritual gifts. Uh, thank you, Rosie, for reading to us so fantastically. If you've got your Bible, you might want to open it there at 1 Corinthians 12. Um, and in this talk, I'd like to do two things. Firstly, I'd like to talk a little bit about why we need the Holy Spirit and why we need to pray to the Holy Spirit. Um, and secondly, I'd just like to share some lessons that I've learnt about spiritual gifts, um, and to tell you some stories, really, from my walk. And this might be helpful for you. I hope it's helpful for you. Bless you. Uh, firstly, let's be honest, I think that um, the Holy Spirit is often part of the Trinity that we feel most uncomfortable talking about. Often even the words Holy Spirit aren't really part of our vocabulary both at church and outside. People talk about Jesus, and they talk about God, but they sometimes kind of leave out the Holy Spirit part. And ultimately, when I was thinking about this this week, that's actually quite ironic that that's the bit that we leave out the most. Because the Holy Spirit is, the Bible tells us, the part of the Trinity that the church was given when Jesus left earth to go back to heaven. In John 14, Jesus says, All this I have spoken while still with you, but the Holy Spirit, who the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I've said to you. Therefore, as we're living in the time after Jesus came to earth and went back to heaven, we can't really do anything without the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has been sent to help us to teach us, and to remind us of Jesus' teachings. We need to call on the Holy Spirit more than ever. So I was trying to think about why it is that often we don't pray directly to the Holy Spirit. And we don't really seek the Spirit in our lives. Why is it so much easier to pray, dear God, or dear Lord, than it is to pray, dear Holy Spirit? I think sometimes we struggle with the idea of a spirit. We think, is it a ghost? Is it magic? How can we engage with something which feels quite ethereal? Maybe some of us, and I would include myself in this, have been to a Christian meeting in the past where people have called on the Holy Spirit. And what would we define as quite weird things have happened? Maybe this has kind of freaked us out and made us wary. But the Holy Spirit essentially is the Spirit of God here with us. And the Bible talks a lot about this Spirit being a helper and a counsellor. And as Christians, whether we acknowledge this in our vocabulary or not, we are all engaged with the Holy Spirit. Because it's part and parcel of being a follower of Christ. In verse 3 of this passage, just take a look there, it says... No one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. That means if you profess that Jesus is Lord, that you do it because of the Holy Spirit. Paul is saying, if there was a moment in your life, maybe that moment when the hairs on the back of your neck stood up, and you got goosebumps, and you thought, I need to become a Christian, and you accepted Christ, that was the Holy Spirit. It's the Spirit that prompts us to do all things spiritual. When we pray, when we read our Bible, when we worship. The Holy Spirit is essentially the Spirit of God here with us. The helper and a counsellor. There's nothing magical or ghostly about that. But even once we acknowledge that, and maybe we kind of begin to pray more to the Holy Spirit directly, This still leaves the whole question of spiritual gifts. And you could still ask the question, well, I can pray to the Holy Spirit, but why do I need to seek these gifts? Why do I need that addition to my life as a Christian? Well, here's a couple of thoughts to try and answer that question. Firstly, Galatians 5 says, The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Trust me, my friends, we do not automatically show those traits. We need the Holy Spirit in our lives more and more in order that we can be like this. And the Bible teaches that when we ask for and practice using these spiritual gifts mentioned here, we will bear more of those fruits in our lives. To be honest, I'm sure it's my husband's daily prayer that I would be filled more with the Spirit in order that I would show a few more of those characteristics around the house. Secondly, gifts of the Holy Spirit can help us to draw near to God and develop our understanding of Him. The gifts are given for our intimacy with God. Earlier in Corinthians, in 1 Corinthians 2, it says, God reveals to us what he has prepared for us by his spirit. No one knows the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. This is what we speak, not words taught by human wisdom, but words taught by the spirit. Spiritual gifts can often give us words and wisdom that help us understand more about God. Now, I hope this is all right, but um, I'd like to just share with you about two spiritual gifts that I have sought in my life and a few lessons that I have learned. These lessons might be interesting for you to ponder. They equally might not be. <laughs> you might completely disagree with the conclusions that I've come to. But I've really felt this week that I should just share with you some of my thoughts. So firstly, I'm going to talk about speaking in tongues, which here is in verse 10. I'm I'm really not an expert at all at speaking in tongues. And the first time that I heard tongues being spoken in church, I thought it was the most insane thing I had ever heard. And I left the church immediately and didn't go back for quite a long time. But I thought, you know, come on, Rachel, be open-minded to this. And I went back to the church and I heard it again. And when I kind of got to know the people who spoke in tongues, I realised that they had this intimacy with God and this passion in their worship that I really craved. And so, ironically, I then asked God to speak in tongues after having been so cynical originally. And I kept going back to this church and I kept standing there right at the front of the worship and I kept saying, come on, Lord, this is the day, let me speak in tongues. This is the time, this is, come on, Lord, come on. And it never happened. Year in, year out, I couldn't speak in tongues. So I started to get a bit grumpy. And I booked an appointment to see uh, the lady, so the wife of the vicar at this church. I thought, oh, she's super spiritual. She'll just put a hand on me and it will happen. And I'll be able to to speak in tongues. So I went to go and see her in her office. And I said to her, look, I I keep trying to speak in tongues. It's just not happening for me. And I'm getting really frustrated. Can you pray for me now and it will just happen? Because you're super spiritual and I'm not. So you can make it happen for me. And she said, no. And I just felt, well, what was the point of that then? There's no point coming to talk to you about it. And she said, just as I was leaving her, just as I was leaving her office, she said, oh, just one more thing, Rachel. When you go home, shut the door of your room, light a candle, start praying. I was like, okay. So I kind of went home grumpily because I thought that I was going to be able to speak in tongues that she would magically solve it for me, and she hadn't. When I got home, I thought, well, what the hell? What have I got to lose? So I shut my door. I didn't have any music on or anything. I found a little candle. I got my Bible out. I read my favorite psalm, and I started to pray, and bam, I spoke in, t- I spoke in tongues. for the first time ever. And it was the most intimate prayerful experience I have ever had in my whole life. And once I started, I couldn't stop. So the first lesson I think I learned was that the gifts of the Holy Spirit can turn up when we are least expecting it. Even in our most cynical moments, when we're not in a big crowd of people, the gifts of the Holy Spirit can be, can be given to us. God is gracious enough to give them to us sometimes, even when we feel cynical about it. And in my experience, speaking in tongues has really helped me in my individual prayer life with God. And it has been moments when I have sought most intimacy with Him that I've spoken in tongues the most. So maybe that's a message for you. Maybe that's an encouragement for you. But as part of that, I also do want to say that Dylan referenced Eleanor Mumford in a talk that we heard when we were away at New Wine. And and she talked about this concept of the supernatural, that when we seek God's spirit, there's no formula for whether or not we will get what we ask for. She talked about the now, the not yet, and the never. So sometimes God gives us what we want, the gifts we want, now. Sometimes he says not yet, and sometimes he says never. And so I guess in my experience there, of trying to speak in tongues, it was not yet, and then I received the gift. But who knows? For many people here, you might still be asking and asking and asking. You might not get it, but that's the mystery of God, and that's okay. But all I would say is, what have you got to lose? Why not ask? Because it might be that God says, now, or not yet, but soon. Secondly, I want to talk a little bit about words and, and pictures of knowledge, which is referred to here in the passage in verse 8. I'll be really honest with you, when I was doing my A-levels, I was quite a loner when I was at school, because I really, really liked studying, like really, and um, I didn't really go out very much, and it was always my preferred activity to like stay at home and revise Or like, if people were going out somewhere on a Saturday, I'd say, "Well, actually, I'd rather go to the library," which, when you're 17, is just really not cool. And so, consequently, I didn't have many friends, and I was a bit of a loner. Um, It's it's true. It's true. It's difficult to believe, but it's true. And um, (laughs) and when I went to university, and there was all this kind of fresher stuff, and it was all very exciting, I sort of thought, "Oh." it would be good to have a friend, wouldn't it? It would be good to have friends. It would be good to have people who I could say, oh, yeah, they're my close friends. I'd sort of worked so hard to get to university, I kind of thought, maybe I should let my hair down now and stop going to the library. And and maybe I should, you know, try and have some close friends. So I prayed to God. I was like, God, I really want some close friends. It would be really great if you could give me some, please. And uh, quite early on, in my time at university, we went away um, on a kind of freshers church weekend away i was thinking oh great might be able to find some close friends (laughs) at this weekend away and there was probably about a hundred people there and there was one evening when we were all worshipping together and i was standing at the front of the room and the band was there and we were worshipping and i would sort of said this prayer about you know meeting a close friend and don't take this the wrong way but I really felt like God said to me you need to find a black girl in this room and you need to walk up to her and you need to say to her you need to be my friend (laughs) and I was like you have to be joking me God you have to be joking to me how how am I going to find this this person I mean there must be loads of black people here so I was standing here at the front and I turned around and there was like a hundred white people and one black person in the corner. So I turned around again and I was like, God, you must be joking to me. <laughs> like This this would be the most random thing. If I walked up to her and said, hi, I'm Rachel. I think God has told me to speak to you. And the only reason I know that is because you're black. And I really think you should be my friend. <laughs> You must be joking me. So I just turned around and I kept praying and worshiping, but it was really, really, really clear. And this has never happened to me in my whole life before or since. Kept worshiping, and I felt a tap on my shoulder. And I turned around, and she was there. She was actually standing behind me, and she said, "Hi. My name's Dominique. I feel like we should pray together, and I really feel like we should be friends." i was like oh my gosh um it actually made me laugh i thought god must have you know thought her spiritual antenna was much better than mine because she had to find me out of a hundred white people god god made it really straightforward for me i still didn't get it um but, but you know, Dominique Riley is still my best friend and she was bridesmaid at my wedding and she's amazing and she is a gift from God and I genuinely believe that God enabled us through a word of knowledge there. His Holy Spirit gave us both a word of knowledge that we might meet and that we might pray together and that we might be friends. So, the second thing I have learned is that the gifts of the Holy Spirit can reveal to us things that we might never ever have seen for ourselves. And that's why we need spiritual gifts. So maybe that's, maybe that's a message for you. And thirdly, I just want to talk a bit about what Barry was saying last week. Um, I think we should seek spiritual gifts because I think we're called to give them away. And I think that words of knowledge and pictures for people can actually be immensely powerful. And I don't do this very often, but before Christmas, a friend of mine had quite a lot of bad things happen in her life, and she was really quite distressed. She was a Christian, and she asked me if I'd pray with her, and we did. And I prayed during that time, Lord, give me a picture for her. Give me a picture to encourage her because she's really upset. And uh, and the picture I got for her was of a jigsaw puzzle that had loads of pieces like spread out on this big table. And then the picture was that there was like two hands that started to put the jigsaw together. And as you do, if you're doing a big jigsaw, you start with the edges, don't you? You build up the edges. And I said, that the hands are starting with the top edge and there's a, there's a scene of a sky at the top they're doing the sky first and they're working their way around and I said, I think this picture is a message for you that the hands are God's hands and God's saying to you piece by piece he is going to put your life back together be encouraged piece by piece he is going to put your life back together and she said oh, thanks it's kind of this really deflating thing where you feel like you've heard, you've heard from God and you share it and then someone goes, oh, thanks, and kind of goes on their way. Um, but then in January, I saw her again, and she said, the weirdest thing happened at Christmas. I said, no, what happened? And She said, well, I went to pray with my vicar. I was like, oh, my prayer's not good enough. No, <laughs> She said, I went to go and pray with my vicar, and as we were praying, he had a picture for me. said all right what was the picture and she said it was exactly the same one that you had it was of like this whole jigsaw and of these two hands and the jigsaw like the person was putting the pieces together and it was starting with the edges and they started with the sky and the message was god is going to put my life back together i'm so cynical i said to her are you sure you didn't tell him that that's what i told you he said no i promise you i didn't i really didn't tell him he just got the picture and you got the picture and I really believe that God is going to put my life back together and I went yes amazing this is why we have spiritual gifts because we get we have them so we give them away and people's lives are changed and people can be encouraged and that doesn't mean you just give them away to people that are Christian you give them away to anyone. If a picture for someone, God might lay something powerfully on your heart. Say it. You don't know how it might change their life. So maybe that's also a message for you. I just want to mention here that um, if you're kind of interested in how spiritual gifts might develop your intimacy with God, because I haven't really spoken much about that, um, can I recommend? I recommend to you a book. You probably some of you have read it by. Jackie Pullinger and it's called Chasing the, the Dragon and she was an amazing, well, she is an amazing missionary working in China and she talks in her book about how she was really really cynical about spiritual gifts and then one day this American missionary came to talk to her and says Jackie I think you should pray in tongues for 15 minutes every day she was like oh what a drag I don't even really like speaking in tongues very much but she felt like she'd been told, and so she did it anyway. And she, and she did it with a stopwatch, because she didn't want to do over her 15 <laughs> minutes. She thought, well, I'll just do what I have to do. And so she'd kneel down every morning and just set the stopwatch and pray in tongues. And nothing really happened for a while, and she didn't really feel anything. But then slowly, over time, it talks about how her intimacy with God really developed. And the fruits of this gift in her ministry was really quite profound through the discipline of her practising her spiritual gifts. And um, I'm really not Jackie Pullinger or anything like Jackie Pullinger, but I read this book and I was quite inspired. And I'm a teacher, and I work on the third floor of this quite ugly-looking block. And every morning when I go to work, to get there, I have to go up like four flights of stairs. There is a lift, but I just made myself not take the lift. So I go up four sort of flights of stairs to get to the top. And for the first year that I worked at this school, I just walked the stairs. It's like quarter past seven, you just walk the stairs. And then I felt God say to me, you need to pray in tongues on the stairs. And I was like, if it's really early, God... <laughs> I'm not really feeling praying in tongues at quarter past seven in the morning, but I thought I'll give it a go. So I start at the bottom of the stairs. So I go up the first lot, turn the corner, go up the second lot, turn the corner, then up and up again. Did it for the first few days, nothing really happened. I thought, well, I'll just keep going. And actually, over time, I've done it since September. I've had some amazing revelations on the stairs. Because when you turn the corner on one of the stairs to go up to the next one, there's a map of the world. Never noticed it before. And often now, as I go up the stairs and I'm speaking in tongues, I'll feel called to pray for a particular country or pray for a particular situation. I feel kind of like inspired to do it. And then as I go up and you turn the next corner, there's like a a, a poster, because it's a school, from like an anti-bullying charity it's got a photo of this girl with her head in her hands and I've been inspired to pray for loads of random students that I teach when I look at that poster and I'm praying in tongues and I pray for them and I pray up the stairs and actually what I've found has been happening as I get to the top of the stairs and normally I think oh I can stop praying in tongues now I've finished But, but now I feel inspired to keep going and I walk along the corridor I'm praying for the classrooms as I go Lord, like, bless what happens in this classroom. And I feel like the discipline of just making myself do it for the 30 seconds that it takes me to go up the stairs has actually inspired and reinvigorated my prayer life in the morning and my prayer life for my workplace in a way that I could never, ever have imagined. So maybe there's a message for you in there somewhere. Maybe there's a place that God wants to lay on your heart. Maybe it's when you're on the tube. Maybe it's when you're in the car. Maybe when you're doing the ironing. Maybe when you're walking up the stairs. I don't know. Maybe a place where you could practice the spiritual gifts in order that your prayer life be deepened and inspired. And the fruits of the Spirit might be more visible in your life. And you might feel closer to God. Maybe. I don't know. But finally, I just want to say that these are simply my reflections. There's an extent to which, you know, who who are we to try to understand the workings of the Spirit? This is like the Spirit of God. We just kind of make suggestions about what we think, but... I'd like to share with you just a little excerpt from a fantastic book by a chap called Richard Foster, who wrote a book called Streams of Living Water. And he reminds us that it's not our job to try to quantify spiritual gifts, to try to explain them perfectly. That part of the beauty of living in step with the Spirit is that we will never fully understand it. Let me just read this to you while I finish. We have a perennial tendency to manage and control the work of the Spirit. We want a nice, tidy God. But as Jesus reminds us, the Spirit blows where he wills. This is actually a great grace. For it reminds us that God is in charge of this enterprise and that he is alive and active in our world. The moment we feel that we have the spiritual life business all figured out, God surprises us with outbreaks of the Spirit we could never have imagined. All our little attempts, both personally and historically, to institutionalise the Holy Spirit ultimately fail. For this we should thank God. How much better to move day by day in joyful surrender to the leading of the Spirit.